0: Last week, we started a sermon series called The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And this is a series that I'm really excited about because I love the Holy Spirit. And I want us to understand certain things about Him and how He operates because sometimes we think that when it comes to the Holy Spirit, That is something we need to put aside, and we're we're not so sure about how to handle the things to do with the Spirit of God. But the Spirit of God wants to be with us, and He is our friend. He is also Lord, and so we give Him the proper place in our service. And I'm not disturbed when the Holy Spirit does something in our services. And it's important for leaders of any congregation to not be worried by what the Holy Spirit does. Because when the Holy Spirit starts moving, sometimes things will not go the way we plan them to. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to exercise firm discernment, and we're going to be talking about that as well, and we're going to see if this is really what God is doing or this is what man is doing. And as things go on, we will exercise firm leadership in the church, but we are not going to be holding back the Holy Spirit from doing what He wants to do. Today in our series, we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I'm not going to be talking about any specific gift today. What I'm going to be doing is... I'm going to be giving a kind of overall view of the gifts. And then next week we are going to start talking about the groups in numbers of threes. There are nine gifts and we're going to talk about those. So today we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And last week we mentioned that even though we are talking about the Holy Spirit, before we even start talking about the gifts of the Spirit it's important for us to know that if we are going to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And so we are going to be, as I talk about the different gifts as we go along, be linking the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the fruit of the Spirit. Because sometimes we run ahead of what the Holy Spirit wants to do because we don't know what to do. So I'm going to talk about, first of all, the difference between a gift and a fruit. A fruit is developed by the believer and it comes through his or her personal walk with Jesus Christ. The fruit is the responsibility of the believer as he or she matures as a Christian and allows him or herself to be transformed by God so the gift comes to God comes to us from God and it is free but the fruit is something that we have to develop as we grow as Christians it is the Holy Spirit who gives all these gifts and we cannot earn them some people think that the sign that somebody has a certain gift of the Holy Spirit is a sign of spiritual maturity. And that would be nice. I would really like if after certain years of being a Christian, I've been a Christian now for more than 35 years, and I would really like that the more years you have with God, the more he would add Spiritual gifts, and, and the more you read his word, he would add more spiritual gifts. But the gifts of God are not a sign of your spiritual maturity. Therefore, that is why it is so important for us not to follow somebody because they have spiritual gifts. Because sometimes, because somebody has a gift of healing or a gift of performing miracles or a gift of faith or a person speaks in tongues. We think that we should trust that person and follow whatever they say without using the instincts and without using what the Spirit of God is saying to us of exercising proper discernment. And the truth is that sometimes we follow people who seem to be spiritually gifted But these people who are spiritually gifted, they are like an inch deep and they don't know the word of God. They haven't taken enough time to study and learn the word of God. And so that's why we need to be looking in their lives to see if they are exhibiting the fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or as some of the newer versions say, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. So we need to be looking out for these things in the lives of people because remember that Jesus Christ said, it is by their fruits you will know them. He did not say, if you want to know who is following me, look and see how many gifts of the Spirit they have. Because if he did that, perhaps we would start following after people who are not following the Spirit of God. And it's not Christians alone, as you know, don't know, that have gifts. There are people who can heal, and they're not Christians. There are healer people. There are, there, are, there are faith healers that are not following the Spirit of God. And sometimes what they're doing is they are having partnership with familiar spirits and we have to talk about that as well. And so I have a definition for what I'm talking about when I talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Don't look this up in a dictionary. Don't look this up in any Christian book. This is just my personal definition. So let's go. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are unmeritable, unmerited, irrevocable, supernatural, empowering tools given by the Holy Spirit to the individual Christian for the purpose of ministry to the body of Christ, the church, in order to win souls to the kingdom of God and bring glory to Jesus. That's a mouthful, so let me read it again. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are unmeritable, unmerited, irrevocable, or some people say irrevocable, unmerited and irrevocable, supernatural empowering tools given by the Holy Spirit to the individual Christian For the purpose of ministry to the body of Christ, the church, in order to win souls to the kingdom of God and bring glory to Jesus Christ. I'm setting this aside because I'm going to come back to this definition a number of times. Because what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be looking at each of these words in the definition that we have here so that you can understand what I'm talking about. And the first word is gifts. Gifts. Gifts is coming, the the Greek word that if the the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. And so from time to time, sometimes I'll be talking about the word of God and what I will do is I will take you to the Greek to talk about where these things are coming from. So the Greek word used for gift is charisma. It is Strong's number 5486. And it's related to a number of other words in the Bible. Words that the, coming from Greek, which is, for example, car, C-H-A-R, and then we have a word like Kara. If you know anybody who has the name Kara, Kara means joy. I have a, a niece, not really my niece, Delia's niece, by the name of Kara. That means joy. So Kara is joy, cheerfulness, delight. And then there's the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. And it is grace, goodwill, undeserved favor. So when we talk about charisma, the gifts of the charisma, we're talking about a gift of grace, a free gift, divine gratuity, spiritual endowment, miraculous faculty, it is especially used to designate the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, whenever you hear people talking about charismatics, the reason they say this person is a charismatic is that this person exhibits one of the gifts of the charisma, meaning the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So, that is the, the main thing behind a charismatic. And so, just to give us a good picture of what the Bible says about the gifts of the Spirit, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to do something that I've never done before. I'm actually very embarrassed by it. (laughs) So, the the, the joke was, I'm getting older and I didn't know it. (laughs) And so... I went to a picnic that New Life Providence had, and they had this big, big bus. And in the bus, they were doing test, eye test. And so I'm doing this eye test. And when I'm doing the right eye test, I couldn't even read the first line <laughs> of the text. So I'm going to unveil... Glasses that I've never done this in public before, so, so don't laugh at me, okay? I asked you not to laugh. <laughs> okay, so this was the free, the, the free pair of glasses that they gave me. So here goes. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols, however, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no other speaking by the gift, the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit's work, all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by the Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into the spirit. For the body is not of one, one member, but many. If you are the foot, if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the air could, should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, into the body just as he pleased. And if there were all one member, where would the body be? I'm reading the entire chapter, by the way. Verse 21. And I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these to the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. So that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the reason I read the entire chapter is that I'm going to be making reference to it as I go along. And so I want us to be able to have the entire chapter in perspective. And just as I mentioned those 12 gifts of the Holy Spirit that I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that is the where charismatics differ from Pentecostals. Because... Pentecostals believe that you have to speak in tongues in order for you to be able to say you are filled with the Spirit. That's not what Charismatics believe. Charismatics believe that if you have one or more of these gifts of the Holy Spirit, then you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we'll be talking about that. And as I'm talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, some people are saying, well, why... Am I not saying being baptized with the Holy Spirit? And there has been this big controversy about is it being filled with the Spirit or is it being baptized in the Spirit? So I'm going to look at the differences between being baptized in the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. And as far as I'm concerned, it really boils down to your interpretation of Scripture. But I will tell you why for the most part you're going to hear me talk about being filled with the Spirit. So there are those who argue that the term being baptized in the Holy Spirit refers to the time that you are saved from when you're non Christian and God saves you, and then you have one baptism. And the Bible actually says this. It says there are there is one baptism but many subsequent feelings. And you'll hear some people arguing and fighting over terms related to this. On the other hand, some people say, well, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, in First, as he, as he does in the book of Acts, that's when you are actually baptized in the Holy Spirit. And just to let you know, the Bible does not use the term baptism in the Holy Spirit very much. And let me share the the different passages in the Bible where it talks about being baptized in the Spirit. First, in the Gospels, John, John, when he was baptizing people, they were saying, well, you are baptizing people, but what's going on? And John said, well, today I'm actually baptizing you. And... One day, somebody else is going to come who is going to baptize you in the Spirit, and he's going to baptize you in fire. So, John announced a baptism in the Spirit in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And if you want to write these down, I'm not going to go through them, but these are the passages that talk about being baptized in the Spirit Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, Mark chapter 1, verse 8. Luke chapter 3 verse 16 and John chapter 1 verse 33. Let me go over them again. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11, Mark 1 verse 8, Luke 3 verse 13 and John chapter 1 verse 33. And all of these passages actually refer to the act of sealing a Christian for eternity. And so that's why many people are today arguing that the term should not really be being baptized in the Spirit, but being filled with the Spirit because there is really one baptism and there are many subsequent fillings. And so you can come to the altar and be filled with the Holy Spirit and it's a continual action. In my mind, there is no real need to argue over whether it is baptism in the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit. I call this a double take. Because we have these these different different views of, of saying, well, were you really baptized in the Holy Spirit or were you filled in the Holy Spirit? And I say, look, I don't know what you want to call it. If you want to call it being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's great. If you want to call it being filled with the Holy Spirit, that's great. If you want to call it being being oofed by the Holy Spirit, that's great. But what the Bible does show us is that there are two distinct experiences that a Christian has. And the two experiences can happen at the same time, meaning someone can come to the altar and they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they become a Christian, and they can also receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit at the same time. It doesn't have to be you do this today and then six months down the line you do it. But there are two distinct experiences, and I want to share the two distinct experiences. First of all, Paul, in Acts chapter 9, we remember the story of Paul when he's going to persecute the Christians, and as he's riding into Damascus, God comes and appears to him, and there's a bright light that Paul sees, It knocks him off the horse, and Paul falls to the ground. And Paul hears a voice, and everybody else around Paul hears this voice. Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And when Paul hears that voice, he says, who are you, Lord? And he's beginning to acknowledge that this is somebody, even though he was persecuting these people, He's now beginning to acknowledge that this person that is talking to him is Lord. And Paul is blind. And so God tells him, go to this place. And when you go to this place, somebody will come to you and they will lay hands on you. And they will tell you what to do. And so Paul goes to this place. And what does Paul do? He is praying to God. He displays. Paul, who is now acknowledging that, that this person who he has been persecuting is the Lord, he goes and then this man by the name of Ananias, who is a prophet, comes and Ananias lays hands on Paul and Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit and in, we, we don't have any evidence in the Bible right here that Paul spoke in tongues right at, at that time, but later on in the Gospels Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So we can see that Paul had a conversion experience on the road to Damascus. And then later on he had another experience where he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then there's another passage in Ephesians chapter 19. I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 19 to do with the Ephesian Christians. And so you have all these Ephesian Christians, and they are Christians. They have been following the way. They have been trusting in God. And so Paul, Peter writes them a letter, and Peter says to them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Notice that they have already believed. He said, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And if you go to Acts 19, you will see that these are people who have been following the way. And in the, today we call people who follow Jesus Christians, but at that time they were calling them the way. And so he says to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter goes and he prays over them and they receive a fresh second touch. That's why I call it double take. They receive the second touch by the Holy Spirit. So there are two distinct experiences. There's one more I want to highlight. This one is in Acts chapter 10, and this is a person by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius was a just man, and he was someone who followed God very closely. And Cornelius was a person who the Bible admits, this is a just and righteous man before God. But Cornelius had a problem. He didn't really have the full manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And so God speaks to Peter, and Peter, he shows him a vision. And in that vision, he sees some animals coming down. And God says to Peter, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, Lord, I can't do that because this has some of the, the food that is not lawful for us to eat. And God says, look, I don't want you to call anything I have created unclean. And it happens three times. And Peter is here seeing this vision, and he doesn't understand what is happening, but God was trying to show him, Peter, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to move you from the Jewish community that you have been working with, and I'm now going to take you to the Gentiles. And so Cornelius was a Gentile. And so that was preparing Peter to go to Cornelius. So here's what happens. Cornelius sends his servants to go and get Peter. Peter comes to him, and in Acts chapter 10, we read, let me turn to that one quickly. And I'm going to read verses 35 to 37. Acts chapter 10, 35 to 37. 37. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word of God, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching—this is—I'm just taking it right in the middle of, of a conversation, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That the word, that word, you know. So here, here. Starting from verse 34, it's, it's Peter talking to these people in Cornelius' household. And he's saying, you have already heard the word of God. And you have already accepted that word. Notice it's, it says here, that word you know. So these are people who already know of the word of God. And they have already been following after God and even after they have been following God and they have been trusting in God and they have been praying to God just as Paul, just as Paul was praying to God when, when Ananias came, what happened is that these people already were believers. But as Peter was speaking to them, guess what happened? The Holy Spirit fell upon them. Nobody was laying hands on them, but they had the second distinct experience While Peter was talking to them and admitting that you already know the way of God, you already are following the way, but now the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they received the second distinct experience. And so we, we can understand that even if you are a Christian, there is a second distinct experience that you need to have whether it happens at the same time you become saved or it happens later on, it doesn't really make a difference to God. It's something that God wants you to have. So let me take you back to this definition. I said the gifts of the Holy Spirit are unmerited, irrevocable gifts. And so the second word is unmerited. And unmerited simply means that you didn't do anything to deserve it. I remember when my father, who was living in the US, visited us in Jamaica, and he brought a tricycle for me. And I was the proudest boy in all the city. He, he didn't give me the gift because I did something good, because I was bright in school. That would be a joke. He just simply gave me the gift because I was his son, And so, he wanted to do something. He wanted to give me an unmerited gift. That's the next slide. So, when God gives you that gift, it's not because you have done something as a Christian. It's not because you have matured in the faith as a Christian. It's simply because he wanted to give you something for free. Because he likes you. How's that? Next is irrevocable. The gifts are irrevocable. In Romans chapter 11, verse 29, it says, For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. One version says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Meaning, if God gives you the gifts, he's not going to take it back. And some people have worked and they have seen God move in their lives in a certain way. And after God has moved their lives in a certain way, what happens is that they stray from God, and the power of the Holy Spirit that was evident in their life, it isn't there anymore, and so they feel that God has taken back their gift, his gift from them, and he hasn't done this. There is a, a term, which is really a derogatory term, that is Indian giver. You guys ever heard that where somebody gives you a gift and takes it back? It was actually a misunderstanding. What happened was that these British people came from Britain and they had a system of of cash. So I pay you for something and I give you that thing. And they came and they found these, these Native Americans and First Nations people and they brought gifts and they gave it to them. And... After a while the, the, the Native Americans, First Nations people took the gifts back. And so they started saying, Indian giver, because you give a gift and you take, take it back. But guess what? It was really a misunderstanding because what happened was that the, the Native Americans had this system of bartering. And they're not working with cash. I give you something valuable, and you give me something valuable in return. And so they were giving these British people these valuable gifts. And they weren't giving them anything in return, so they took it back. So that's where the term Indian giver came from. Well, God is not like Indian giver in any sense of the the, the, the word. God gives you a gift, and it is for keeps. Notice the passage also says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable, meaning that God is not going to take back his calling. So if he called you once upon a time, you heard his prophetic word, and God said, I'm calling you for something, he's not going to take back that calling. That calling is forever. And you can run and you can hide, but the calling is right behind you. Because God is not going to take the calling back. And so because we did not earn it, we cannot do anything to To cause God to take it back. He has just given it to you. What happens, however, is that sometimes because of sin in our lives, what God does is He lifts the weight of the anointing of your life. And that's why I mentioned before, and I'm mentioning it one more time, that we don't follow somebody because they have a spiritual gift. I can't say that enough. Because I've seen too many people who are having spiritual gifts and they, their lives are messed up. But one day, when God comes in power, all of that is going to be revealed again. Just as it was in the book of Acts. The next term, so the gifts I'm calling of God according to my definition. The, give, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are unmeritable, unmerited. Irrevocable supernatural empowering tools. They are supernatural empowering tools. A gift of the Holy Spirit is not the same thing as a talent. You can never teach yourself a gift. And so there are many people who are talented, and they, they might be talented musicians, and they might be talented singers. And the fact that they are talented musicians or talented singers, we sometimes say, let me put, let, let me put you on the platform because you, 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 are, you are called of God. But it's not really true. Sometimes somebody might be talented, but they don't have a gift that God has anointed to use for his purposes. So it's not something that you are born with, although sometimes people who have been called to God and God has, has, has promised something to somebody and that God wants to give this gift to somebody in the future, that person might be earmarked for something. And so they might exhibit certain gifts of the Holy Spirit before they are even Christians. An example of that in Scripture is Samuel who God called him even before Samuel knew who God was. And some people, they have had certain things, certain callings in their lives because God wants them to, to follow Him and to, to serve Him in this way. And so they start doing certain things or they start exhibiting certain gifts and we lead them astray. I heard the story of this, this child who was about three years old and he had an uncle by the name of Marcus. I'm not sure if Marcus was the name, but I'm going to use Marcus. And Marcus hasn't been around for months. The father hasn't seen him. Marcus lived in another city. And there has been no communication between Marcus and his parents. And then one day, this child will suddenly start jumping up. Marcus! 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 Ten seconds later, the phone rings. It's Marcus on the other end of the line. What happens is that sometimes somebody who is earmarked for God exhibits certain gifts. You know why? Why? Because the Holy Spirit sometimes is so attracted to us, he can't wait to let his glory come upon you. In the Old Testament, we know where people who weren't even Christians exhibited the power of the Holy Spirit. Like Saul, remember? Saul traveling, and people were asking, is Saul among the prophets? Saul was by no means one of God's servants, but God allowed him to have the power of the Holy Spirit for a certain time. So here's how we mess mess things up. Somebody who is earmarked for what God wants to do starts exhibiting certain gifts. And what we do is we say, wow, you have the calling. You should go, you should go and, and study to become a psychic. It's true. And, and because people have certain inclinations in the spiritual realm, we send them off in different directions. And what we as parents need to do is Make sure that if you notice that your child has certain inclinations, lead them and direct them in the paths of God so that they will fulfill the gifts and callings of God that are on their lives. I have a niece, not really my niece, Delia's niece, but I, <laughs> I, I, I claim everybody. I claim everybody in her family as my family. And I have, an, I have this, this niece who had this dream once, and in her dream, She was being strangled and held down by by these spirits. And she didn't know what to do. And she was trying to move and trying to wake up and can't move. And she just cried out to God and she cried out to God and she cried out to God. And an angel appeared to her. And the angel started giving her some scripture verses. And she's writing down these scripture verses. And she doesn't know anything about the Bible, but she's writing down all these verses. And so the following day, she goes to school, and she takes it to the priest and says, God has given me all these scripture verses that says, before, I, before you were born, I knew you, and I called you. And she gave these things to the priest, and the priest took a look at them, and he said, Well, if God has really called you, you will know eventually. Don't worry about it. When I heard that story, I felt like giving him a knuckle sandwich. Because what happens is that sometimes there is such a call on somebody's life, even before they are a Christian, and what we need to do is be able to help direct them into the paths of God and say, You have this, guess what this means? This means that God wants to use you in this way and it's just an indication of what God wants to do in your life. So come and let me show you the way of God. That's what happened with Apollos in the scriptures where when Apollos was, was exhibiting certain gifts, these people called him and said, Apollos, come, and let me, let me show you what God wants to do in your life. And they were able to direct him and help him. And it is said by people who studied the scripture that Apollos was even a person who wrote the book of, of Hebrews. Because he learned he had somebody who took him and explained the way of God to Apollos. So that's what we need to do. Be able to identify the calling of God on our lives. But this doesn't mean that if you have a certain talent that you are naturally called of God at this point in time. There is this big difference between a calling and a gift. And there's this little girl. She was seven years old at the time. Her name is Jackie Ivanko, and I don't know if you guys have been following the television shows, but on America's Got Talent, yeah. this girl, Jackie Ivanko, she was, she was about seven years old, and when she was seven, she, her mother took her to watch the Phantom of the Opera, and she bought the tape of the Phantom of the Opera, and she bought this other tape, and she took it home, you know how children are always singing over these songs from these movies, you know? El Nemo. Well, 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 she's she's hearing the Phantom of the Opera over and over and over again. And she's singing all these songs. And her parents don't think this is anything special because this is just a seven-year-old girl. It's her their first daughter. And so she's going on and she's having this, this concert at school. And they didn't realize that she is. She can sing, so they tell her to go and practice for the concert. So she's going to sing at this concert. And so the parents invite their parents, her grandparents, to come. And so the girl goes on the platform and she starts singing. And the grandparents turn around and look at each other and say, what on earth is happening? And the audience erupts and they start cheering for this little girl because she had a voice that bellows out and it was so powerful, it was not just a talent, it was a gift. And I'm gonna show you a little clip from YouTube that, that shows this girl singing and you'll see how powerful her voice is. She was 10 at this time. girl did go to to music practice one day and her teacher said okay Evko you have been singing in like a seven year old child it's time for you to now start singing like an angel so I've I've practiced I've I've taught you all notes so sing like this this was an actual gift that this girl has received and so this is the unmistakable type of anointing that is different from the anointing of, a, of just a talent versus the anointing of a gift. And I'm not saying that this is a gift of the Holy Spirit. What I'm talking about is when someone has a gift of the Holy Spirit, there is an unmistakable anointing that is attached to that gift and calling. And it surprises everybody else. And you look at that person who has this gift and you say, How on earth could somebody like that suddenly exhibit all these gifts? How could somebody like that be showing me things of my heart that I did not know? How could somebody who is just a normal person lay hands on somebody and they're healed? And that's because there is an unmistakable anointing of the power of God that goes beyond normal talent. This is not something that you study This is something that the Holy Spirit simply places in your life. Let me quickly run through the rest. It's given to the individual Christian. Gifts are not for the church. It is given to the individual. And sometimes people have argued and they've said, well, the gifts are not really for the individual. They're for the church. Not what the Bible says. In fact, the Mormon church... The Mormon church, what they say is that, well, we have already have a prophet in our midst. And so there is no need for anybody else to be a prophet in the midst. That's not what the Bible says in Acts chapter 12. It says it's given for, given to the individual Christians. And then those individual Christians make up the body of the church. And as the individuals come together, the full manifestation of the power of the Spirit is unveiled in the, in the church and then we can see the full working of the church. That's why Paul takes so much time to talk about the body in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that I just showed with, shared with you. So, when God gives a gift, He gives it to the individual for the purpose of being used among the body of God. Don't let anybody tell you that the gifts were not meant for you. The gifts certainly were meant for you. And that's what I read. And God said in the Word of God tells us that God is going to give us the desires of our hearts and God would not cause us to have a desire to seek Him if He had no need or no plan to give you the fulfillment of those desires. And what this First Corinthians says in the end of the chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, it says, earnestly desire the best gifts. Now, if God says, earnestly desire the best gifts, guess what? It means He wants to give you the gifts of the Holy Spirit for you to operate in those gifts in your life. Next, it's to, for the ministry to the body of Christ. First Corinthians 12 and 12 going on talks for a long time, it Paul is talking about the body, the body, the body. And he talks about we don't hide one member, we show all the members. And that's why it's important to come to church. You don't want to stay by yourself, isolated. Because when you come and you're in the midst of God's people, that's when God releases his power. But not only when you're in the midst of God's people, because God brings you to the church where you operate, with other people and then he supercharges you when you're in the midst of others and he gives you a corporate anointing and then that anointing is you are able to take that anointing outside the church and reach others for Christ and so the next part of my definition was to win souls for Christ to win souls to the kingdom of God and in John chapter 16 it talks about how the the the, the Holy Spirit he will reveal and He will, will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And as the Holy Spirit comes and as He plants these gifts in your lives, you're now able to take those gifts that are already inside of you and you're able to go out and convict the world because the Holy Spirit is revealing things to you. He's doing things through you. He's allowing you to work in the power of the Spirit. And then finally, to bring glory to Jesus Christ. John chapter 16 verse 14. It says what the Holy Spirit will do is he will bring glory to Jesus. And Jesus himself said when the Holy Spirit has come in John chapter 14. He says "I, th- this Holy Spirit that is going to come. He is going to do greater works than what I have done. Now these greater works it doesn't mean that you are going to outdo Jesus Christ. What it means is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus is going to outdo the things that he did in the scriptures through you. You see how that works? Because the Holy Spirit wants to come and fill you with his power so that when he fills you with his power, you can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a dimension that supersedes any talent, in a dimension that supersedes anything that you could ever experience yourself. And so God wants to surprise you by using the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. I'm going to stop here this week, but next week I'm going to start talking specifically about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be talking next week about the Revelation gifts. Then we're going to take a break the following week when we have our Family Sunday. And then after Family Sunday, we're going to come back and I'm going to talk about the Power Gifts. Then we're going to look at the Vocal Gifts. But I believe that God wants to pour out his spirit upon us. Not just to keep it for ourselves, but he wants to pour his spirit out on us because he wants us to go out into the world and preach the gospel. He wants us to go out into the world and present what he's saying to others. God wants to use us in a mighty and powerful way. Will you allow him to use you in this way? I believe that there is coming a power of the Spirit that we have yet to experience. I believe there is coming a pouring out of God's Spirit that is going to fill our lives and cause us to surprise ourselves. You are going to do some things that you never thought you would be able to do. Because God is going to pour out His Spirit upon you. You're going to experience some things you have never thought that you would experience before. Because God is going to pour His Spirit out on you. And as He fills you with His Spirit, you're going to see things happen in a way that will say, Woo, where did that come from? But it all starts when he calls you and you accept him as your lord and savior maybe somebody is here this morning and in your life you have noticed that there is a calling on your your life to do certain things you have noticed that you know things that you couldn't know you you have noticed that the holy spirit is is coming and and he's he's just showing you his face from time to time well, if that's the case, what it means is that you first need to give your life to Christ and allow Him to use you. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand right now because we want to pray with you. The Bible tells us that we are all sinners, and as sinners, we are doomed to an eternity without God. But as God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world, He sent His Son, that you might be saved. And then when Jesus died and he rose and went back to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. So if you're like that this morning, you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, just raise your hand right now. Let us pray with you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning. Lord, even as we have looked on the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a general way, I thank you, Lord, that you want to give us this other experience that will fill us and not just fill our lives that we would celebrate what you're doing in us, but you would take us out into the world, Lord. And that as we Operate in the power of your Spirit. People will be convicted and they will say, Surely God is in you. So Lord, I ask you that you'd fill each and every one of us, Lord. I ask you that your Spirit will be poured out upon your people. And that as your Spirit is poured out upon us, we'll begin to see and experience you in a new way. Lord, come and touch your people. Lord, we're simply just putting ourselves in your hands, Lord. We know, Lord, that of ourselves we can do nothing, but we ask you, Lord, that you would come. Touch my brothers and sisters, Lord. Fill them with your spirit. My brothers and sisters the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his shalom shalom his perfect peace now go into all the world and preach the gospel. And know that the power of the Holy Spirit is in your life, that Jesus Christ is with you wherever you go. Go in peace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen.